This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, everybody, and uh, yes, we are doing a special podcast only a few hours after the Eagles dismantled the New York Giants 38-7, to and uh, here's what I'll say, uh, they look pretty ready to me, that was my impression last night, the Eagles opened the playoff season with a bang last night, 38-7, to and um, you know, uh, everything, I mean everything worked for them last night, uh, after a couple of weeks of angst, and uncertainty about what they were and whether their quarterback would be ready. They, they established themselves as the team that we all saw for most of this year when they were the best team in the NFL. All right, it's Mike Missanelli. This is the Bet Rivers podcast, a special podcast. Few, I've just got a few hours of sleep. I'm still pumped up after, after watching that performance. So today, they sit and they wait for the Cowboys and the 49ers to beat each other up to see who comes to Philly. 3 p.m. game next Sunday where the Eagles will pursue their second Super Bowl appearance for the uh, um, uh, the NFC title game uh, next week. And uh, listen, if they get to the Super Bowl, uh, let's face it, this is the second Super Bowl in the last six years. And uh, I, I, it's not the Patriots. Uh, I get it. But, but it ain't ba- half bad uh, if they can get to this game. And we'll talk about who they might match up with a little later. You know, at first I was I was nervous about one particular team that they could play. But after seeing what I saw yesterday, what I'm trying to do is measure the inferiority of the opponent they played with how good they played and try to put it on a balancing act. So let's let's just talk about how good they, they played here and, and get in a, a little deep. Um, they beat this Giants team literally in, into submission last night. And, and I saw something that I, I don't think I would ever see in a playoff game. I saw the other team wave the white flag. I mean, their body language was horrible. They they knew when the score was fourteen to nothing that they were beaten. They couldn't do a thing about it. And so, at the end, not at the end of the game, with fourteen minutes left in the game, Brian Dable on a fourth and six, down twenty eight to seven, decides to punt the football. If that's not waving a white flag, I don't know what it is. What it is? I mean, that's embarrassing, frankly. Um, what are you? What are you trying to do? What is this? What was it, a hockey game where you know you, you pull the goalie and you put him back in after you, they get an empty netter because you don't want to lose six to two instead of five to two? I, 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 I you know, listen. The Giants, 
had a cute season. But they were clearly not in the same world as the Eagles were. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking of the Minnesota Vikings sitting there watching that game and going, damn, <laughs> that's the team that beat us? All right, so let's get in deep here. Our number one concern for this game, obviously, was Jalen Hurts. It was like a concern and a half. The main concern was Jalen Hurts. The half a concern was Lane Johnson, whether he would survive. So so let's let's look at Jalen Hurts. The head coach, Nick Sirianni, says after the game, and this is pretty high praise, and I got to give Nick a little credit for this. It's like having Michael Jordan out there. The guy leads. He brings um, uh, confidence to the entire team. He, he plays great football. He, he's as tough as they can uh, come. He, he brings out Michael Jordan reference last night for Jalen Hurts, and, and he's not that far off because you saw last night what the Eagles are with Jalen Hurts playing the way he can play. Now, before the game, uh, it was reported that uh, from Pam Oliver, who I don't know if she talked to Hurts or not, but she said he's not near 100%, and that came out after the game. Well, if that wasn't 100%, this is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I, I got news for you. Uh, it, it looked like he was okay yesterday. And, and the concern that we had was, A, would he be okay enough to, to play the game uh, at, like his, at his level? But, B, how the, the Eagles would call the game. Would they, would they go full bore into their offensive game plan, or would they kind of protect them? Now, the way they protected him after the game, it came out that they – they practiced all week on him falling the right way, him turning his shoulders and and and, and not falling on, on his right shoulder, but getting his body in a position where the, the left shoulder could could take the blow, which was really smart. But uh, you know, the crux of it was: could he throw the football down the field? Would he be able to uh, to really run the football with those those keepers and those zone reads like he used to run it? And everything they did yesterday was that they. They ran it normal. They, they I, I don't think they, they, they took one step back uh, as far as, as Jalen Hurts playing the football game was. Uh, so, so, so let's look at the first drive. Now, the Giants, I think this is really interesting. They defer. Now, everybody defers in the NFL. But sometimes you got to think outside the box. The Giants give the Eagles the ball. In a way that makes sense because they're going, okay, well, we got to test Jalen Hurts early. We'll give them the football. We'll pressure him. We'll, we'll you know, try to get him off the spot. We, we don't know that he's 100%. So maybe this is the right strategy. The other strategy is we're coming off a great offensive game. Our offense is rolling. Maybe we don't defer. Maybe we take the football and try to do what we did last week against the Minnesota Vikings and get our offense rolling. So we get a head start knowing that we could score enough points to win this game. Well, they did like everybody else did. They deferred. They kick it to the Eagles. So here come the Eagles uh, on the first drive. The first drive is the obligatory handoff to Miles Sanders. He gets two. The second down is the monster play. They go with a deep cross to Devontae Smith, and they get 40 yards out of it. And everybody goes, oh, well, he's back. He's back. They weren't afraid to throw the ball deep on second down, which was a major reveal for the Philadelphia Eagles. And from that point on, they get Dallas Goddard for nine, and and he gives the the forearm shiver as if to say, yeah, Dory Jackson, hey, I got you, but guess what? Um, you're going to get blasted on this play because we're here to win this game. I thought it was a great message. Then third and three, they get the short shot to AJ for a first down. And then later on, third and five, 
they get the, the Goddard snare, the rumble, the seven nothing, uh, and boom. So they convert three, two third downs on that drive, and uh, it, it, they set the tone right away. They score on the first drive. Now, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of this, as I defer, and we'll get back to football action in a second. Somewhere in the middle of this, and I've never seen this, the uh, first down chain is broken. And, and I'm going, first of all, the, the first down chain is one of the few archaic elements left in pro football, right? Um, think about it. With all the technology we have, you know, you'd think there'd be a laser beam on the sidelines that would uh, measure the first down because it's probably more accurate. And then they could take the laser out to see if you actually hit the spot for the first down, but they still use the chain. They did get get a little evolution with the chain because now, you know, instead of flipping the cards over for first down, they, they get the, the window pane uh, the action. But now you got to find another chain. And I'm going, who the hell would have a spare chain? You mean to tell me in the bowels of Lincoln Financial Field they got a spare ch- uh, a chain? I'm thinking they had to send Bing Dom out to Home Depot to, to get get a chain off the roll of chains that you see at Home Depot, run to Delaware Avenue and get it back in, in enough time to get the chain. But I defer. They do have, they do have a backup chain. They bring it out, except the backup chain. And uh, you know, for you uh, uh, home uh, workers, you know that everybody has that orange one hundred foot extension cord. So, uh, but it's never you never can wrap it right. It's always tangled. Right, so they bring the chain out, and the chain is tangled. I'm going. What kind of a delay is this going to be for the freaking chain? All right, I'm done with the chain. Uh, So now the the Giants get a possession, seven nothing. The Giants are moving the ball a little bit. They get to the Eagles, thirty-seven, and this is where the big sequence of the game. This is the big transition of this game. Um, On third down, Jones trips over his lineman. Uh, Reddick and Sweat get half a sack, and then. On fourth and eight at the 40, they go for it. Now, in the New York papers this morning, they're ripping Brian Dable for going for it here. It would have been a 57-yard field goal for Graham Gano, which he probably could make in this particular situation. But they go for it on fourth and eight. Fourth and eight is a really difficult down to convert. And, and, and Reddick gets the sack. And the Eagles take over. And they score off of that to make it 14 to nothing. Next series... Bradbury intercepts uh, uh, on, a, on a telegraph pass by Daniel Jones. Uh, they didn't score off of that, but the template is already set. You saw the Giants were now a confused team. Jones did not play with the same swagger. That was an indication that Bradbury interception. Um, and, and they really were, were, were swimming um, against the, the tide the whole game. They, they were climbing uphill the whole game. And you could see their body language was really bad. They knew they were outclassed. They were beaten uh, in this game. So uh, the first five possessions, the Eagles get four TDs out of it. Uh, after they were up 7 nothing, they got great field position. They started at the 48. They score, and they make it 14 nothing. Then they got field position at the 37. They score off of that to make it 21 nothing. And then they mix in a touchdown to go up 28 nothing at halftime. And the game's over at that point. Um, the Giants turned out to be a myth. And uh, as we predicted earlier in the week, as at least I predicted, I, I predicted 31-7 easy victory for the Eagles, knowing that the Giants could never play a game as good as they played against the Minnesota Vikings. It just wasn't going to happen. When you don't have a roster that's as talented as the other team, 
and, and you're going on guile and you're going on momentum, that stuff shuts down uh, when you go from game to game, especially if you're playing on the road. So, so that rosy feeling that the Giants had was clipped early in that game, and they had nothing left to give to the point where they surrender the they throw the white flag up. <laughs> Brian Dable, it's funny because we we were doing we're doing the post game show last night, Jacob Media, uh, myself, Seth Joyner, uh, Derek Gunn, uh, and Devin Caney, and this is the third time. You know, we're we're in Atlantic City, so a lot of people from New York come down here. This is the third time I watched New York Giant fans with their big blue sweatshirts on and all this crap limp out of here, like like just like ants that uh, like embarrassed ants to get back on the road to take the, the whatever the transportation they had back back up to New York. Uh, you know, listen, the Giants had a nice season. They better get some receivers. They're certainly not complete, and now they got a problem with where they're going to re-sign Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, uh, who really wasn't a factor. He had one big run, and they, they threw the ball out, in the, uh, out of the backfield to him. But uh, it, it really was, was not even a close game last night. Uh, so let's, let's laud the Eagles' defense. First of all, I thought the coaching staff in this game w- really had a great game plan, and, and I thought their play calling was fantastic. Uh, let's go back to the second drive of the game, the drive that made it 14 and nothing um, and, and really kind of blasted this game wide open at 14 and nothing. There was a, there was a great call in that series. Uh, a quarter, they came out with a quarterback sneak alignment on a third down. I think it was a third down and three quarterback sneak alignment. And out of that, they hurts gives a little flip to gain. Well, who's flying left out of the backfield. Great call, and he got 14 yards out of that. Uh, and then they hit uh, A.J. Brown for 12. They get to the 17, and then Hurts runs for 9. And then Gainwell uh, gets to the 6. And then they had Sanders got, got stuffed up. But then they run this great alignment, a bubble screen alignment, where they've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith stacked to the right. And they run a bubble screen off of that. And that doesn't work unless A.J. Brown makes a great block. And he did. And uh, yeah, that gets him the, the, the touchdown. And Hertz goes seven for seven in that drive, uh, and he's got two TDs already. So uh, I thought that they had two great calls. The one uh, was the uh, alignment, which I hadn't seen all year. They flip it at the game well, and then the bubble screen, which was really successful. And, and that's got to be really executed to, to work uh, because you got your, your wide receivers out there on, kind of on an island, and one guy's got to block for the other guy. Now, let's look at A.J. because A.J. Brown was only targeted six times. wasn't really a factor in the game. And, and on the sidelines, uh, he looked a little peeved. Now, the wide receivers are divas. For the most part, he, he's been a team player. I, I got to think that that was a little frustration that he wasn't part of that, that big victory. Uh, A.J., you got to get over that. I mean, this team has to cook. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have great games. Sometimes Devontae Smith has a great game. Devontae was targeted 10 times in that game uh, last night. Uh, and so he was the man last night, and you weren't. But, you know, that could change next week. So so hang in there. I, that's wide receiver diva reaction from AJ. Uh, and, and I think he, he'll get over that, and he has to get over it. Uh, all right, so let's look at the defense now. Um, in the first half, the Giants got three first downs. They had 56 yards of offense. 
Their quarterback, Daniel Jones, in the first half had a 36.3 rating. And, you know, frankly, if you if you looked at him, he, he didn't know whether to wind his ass or scratch his watch. And that's my way of saying he, he was, like, really confused out there. He, he didn't know what the hell was going on. And, and for this late in the season, when you don't recognize what the Eagles are doing defensively, that's a pretty good uh, uh, defensive game plan. Uh, so I, I got to laud the coaching staff. I got to laud Gannon. I got to laud Sirianni and Shane Steichen. Um, the Giants came in with a hot receiver who kind of came out of nowhere, who had been carrying him, Isaiah Hodgins. He had one catch for three yards. They, in fact, they targeted him only three times. So the Eagles identified that maybe the Giants were going to go to this guy. They took him completely out of the game. The Giants don't really have a counterbalance wide receiver. They don't really have a tight end who can make a difference. And so the Eagles engulfed them. Um, so let, let, let's bring um, let's bring Darren in, in here, producer Darren. Uh, now you were at the game last night, Darren. So so give me your impressions of what you saw, and also what it was like at the energy in that building last night. Well, first of all, I the one thing that you touched on, I noticed from the stands, and that was that they looked like they the Giants looked like by like late second quarter, early third quarter, that they had checked out of the game. I mean, you could see the the body language on the field, on the sidelines. There was a series. It was, I think it was like midway through the third quarter, and it was still either twenty eight to nothing, uh, or I don't think it was twenty eight to seven. It might have been twenty eight to seven, but. The Giants get the ball. The Eagles punt. They got the ball like their own 25, and they don't throw the ball once. They ended up scoring on the drive, but it was a slow, methodical, run-driven uh, drive. And I thought, this, there's no urgency with this team right now whatsoever. Um, but as far as the atmosphere, it was wild. It was, it was all, I wasn't down there all day. I got down there like mid-afternoon. It was great atmosphere, loud, raucous. And then the game starts, and it's a party for the whole first half. And then what happens in a game like that, because it's a divisional round, and you just want to get out and get healthy, it's almost boring in the second half. Because you're like, I just get me to next week now. It's not like, like last year, to the day, by the way, same score, 38-7. to Five years ago, sorry, not last year. Five years ago, NFC Championship game, where it's a blowout. It's a party, because we're going to the Super Bowl. Not yesterday. It's a divisional round. You still got to get through next week. Next week's going to be a much stronger battle. So that second half, you're just like, get out of this game. When's Minshew going to come in this game so I can breathe? <laughs> yeah. So uh, and, and so and you, you touched on a, a great point because the the game really uh, you could tell as as a smart fan, the Giants weren't going to come back in that game. They they had nothing for the Eagles last night. So uh, I, I know people got a little uh, skittish. I was looking at social media, got a little skittish. Well, you know, look what Jacksonville did, but. You could tell that the Giants really had had the life sucked out of them. They didn't know what to do. They were a confused team. Their coaching staff got really uh, outfoxed yesterday. They had no answers for what the Eagles were doing on on either side uh, of the football. Uh, and I think part of that is what you and I talked about on on Friday is that the Eagles are so much better than them on both the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage that they just they took their manhood. Like they, You could see them. They were arguing on the sideline. All the linemen were. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't handle the Eagles. All right, so uh, a couple factors I want to look at because we haven't brought up Lane Johnson yet. And, and Lane was on our postgame show uh, after missing a couple of weeks, obviously, with, with the groin problem, the torn uh, core muscle. Um, you know, uh, early on in the game, it, it looked like he tweaked it. And I'm going, oh, my God, you know, he's going to have to play this whole game with that thing acting up on him, but, but he survived the game. You know, I, I do like that is just uh, so tough 
uh, to be able to perform under under those kind of circumstances. Uh, he went he went up surviving the game, and I, I I was thinking in the fourth quarter, you know, forget about taking Hurts out, take out Lane Johnson, and I'm thinking, okay, if if I'm Sirianni, I would love to do that. Except if I take out Lane Johnson, then I run the risk of. of somebody blasting Hurts without protection from Lane Johnson. So he technically had to play the entire game basically for, for that reason. Um, so he survived it, and he's going to play. They got two games left possibly, and, and he's going to gut it out for, for both games. The The problem is, is next week. So let, let's get into that right now because it, it leads into the point. The look ahead is either San Francisco or Dallas. Now, at first, I, I assumed that it would be San Francisco because I think they're, they're the much more complete team and, and they're they're steadier than Dallas. And, and, and in a home game, I think that they would win that game. But I can't tell. Uh, so it's possible that Dallas does win that game. Um, there are a lot of people that think that playing Dallas would be the more difficult matchup. And, and it's because uh, of a couple of reasons. Uh well, the main reason being the quarterback is more experienced. Now, think of what you you will of, of Dak Prescott. He is a more experienced quarterback. He is used to playing in Philadelphia. He's used to playing the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in really competitive uh, levels, while the other team still has the rookie quarterback. Uh, so so let, let me ask you first of all about, uh, as we do this on a Sunday morning and later uh, in the afternoon, we're going to uh, obviously watch that game very closely, Right now, what is the better matchup that the Eagles can get to survive to get to the Super Bowl? So, overall, you, you, you want to see – here's my problem. Overall, yes, you want to see Dallas. I think as top to bottom, San Francisco is just a more talented team. I don't know about this quarterback yet. He hasn't played a really good defense. I do think he's got a you know crap-to-bed uh, game in him, uh, and that could certainly be on the road in Philly. The problem with playing Dallas is – Oh, can you imagine the law like the like the season off season long gut wrenching losing to that team in the NFC Championship game? I mean, that would be it would be the most miserable. It is the nightmare scenario. Um, But I, you know, look, I think Dallas can win the game today. They're physical on defense. They're going to get after Purdy. This is going to be the toughest game that Purdy's played by far. So I do think Dallas is a live dog today. Both games live dogs today. By the way, Bengals can beat the Bills as well. Not like yesterday. Yesterday was chalk. But, yeah, I think the better matchup top to bottom is Dallas because, again, the Eagles know them as well. And you look at the 49ers, despite the quarterback, they got so many weapons. McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo. Debo out of the backfield. Uh, that, that, that offensive set where they, where they run him out of the backfield, they call it Deadpool. So when they come out in Deadpool and he's in the backfield, that's one of the, if not the most dangerous offense in the league because he's such a dual threat. Yeah, I, I, I get it. But, again, um... Purdy coming here. This is, you know, let's face it. Uh, he's got to win in Philadelphia, and, and I get it that they're rolling in San Francisco. If they win that game, they'll have two home wins under the belt to bring to Philadelphia. But at the end of the day, it's still Brock Purdy trying to beat the Eagles here, and he's the last pick in the draft. And I know this is going to run out sooner or later, so I don't know which way to go and who would be the easier opponent. I, I thought the easier opponent would be Dallas at first because the 49ers defense uh, travels and, and, and the Eagles, I don't know if the Eagles can score 30 points 
against the uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers. I know they can score 30 against Dallas. Uh, throw the strike going, though, Mike. But coaching, when you throw coaching in, the 49ers coaching staff is light. Yeah, they had no question about it. Like, I, at this point, I don't, I don't really have a pick on who would be the easier opponent. I, I think that uh, the Eagles would be a favorite. Um, I'm thinking maybe two or three against either of those teams coming into that NFC title game next week. So, yeah, I think it'd be three against. Okay, so that, that's what I think it will be. Now, the reason I bring this up is because. Uh, at the point with Lane Johnson, um, they're, he's going to face <laughs> tougher pass rushers. And and a good coaching staff is going to probably want to attack him with those pass rushers. you got Bosa, uh, and and obviously for the Dallas Cowboys, you get Lawrence, and, and you've got uh, Micah Parsons. So that, to me, will be a major factor in, in next week's game. Lane held up in this game. Uh, can he hold up against those kind of pass rushers? That's a big factor in that game. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this up. This is just a quick hit today, uh, a few hours after after the game. Uh, I'm still a little bleary-eyed. Uh, Darren's a little bleary-eyed from being at the game. Um, this was the greatest quote that, that uh, I, I got out of yesterday's game, and it's from Jalen Hurts. And he was talking about the early play with, uh, with Dallas Goddard where he punked uh, Adore Jackson with a forearm. And uh, Hertz says, he's trying to punish somebody. He's not trying to spare no man. <laughs> I love that quote. He's not trying to spare no man. Uh, and that, That's a great and that was the toughness last night that, that the Eagles showed. Uh, anything else? That, oh, let me just, let me just talk about the, uh, well, you were at the game, you, so you didn't hear the broadcast. You know, I, I I ripped uh, Moose Johnson last week for stuffing a hoodie under a, a snug sport coat. Last night he showed up with a fine outfit. I got to give Moose a little credit. But uh, the Joe Davis thing confused me. Uh, it wasn't that cold last night down there, was it? It was not. There was no wind. I had a couple people. I was down there. My best friend's wife was with me. She was freezing. I felt great. I had a light jacket on. I didn't even wear gloves because there's no wind. Yeah. When there's no wind, 35, 40 degrees is so bomb. So if, if, you, if you watch the broadcast, as they uh, introduce the game and, and Moose looking good, he had a nice sports coat on and uh, I believe he had a vest or something on. Look, look at he, he had a good configuration of, uh, of fashion material. I look at that every week. Uh, Joe Davis is bundled up with a, with a, a coat like he's going to climb Mount Everest. Um, he's got the parka on the whole bit. And then... During the middle of the broadcast, you got the parka off. You got a sweater. By the end of the game, you had the parka back on. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. That booth's pretty cozy up there. Like they they have they have space heaters up there for those guys, right? Yeah, those booths are yeah. Without Joe, you gotta get tough. This is the playoffs, Joe. You know, you can't honestly. Even like outside, it was nice. It really was. It wasn't that cold because without wind, without weather. 35, 40 degrees is very stomach. He's got the North Face on like he's ice fishing. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that game. Uh, all right. So uh, the Eagles, 38 to 7. I picked uh, 31 to 17. Well, we're near we're at 31. I was yucking it up, thinking I had the, the final score. And then, and then Gamewell bust them for another touchdown late in the game. Uh, and the Giants limp out of the, the playoffs. And, uh, you know, good luck to them because they've they've got some improvements to do. They've got some decisions to make. Meanwhile, the Eagles, 
are one game away from a Super Bowl. And, and when you think about this, um, I never, ever, coming into this season, thought we would be at this stage where they're playing an NFC title game at home with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, how about you? Never in a million years after last season did I think they – now, look, they had a lot of good acquisitions in the offseason. Uh, they made, obviously, some good trades. But they were comically bad last year. The entire division was comically bad last year. The fact that not only the Eagles, but the entire division has swung so far into the other direction. It's pretty incredible. It really is. I mean, you got three teams who were three of the four, uh, you know, the, the NFC teams left were in this division that was so pathetic last season. Uh, but the Eagles turnaround is unlike I've ever seen. It's very similar to 2017 in that it came out of nowhere. This season came out of nowhere. So did that. Yep. Uh, it's pretty special uh, that, that they might get a Super Bowl uh, out of this. Uh, let me leave here with, with this because uh, <laughs> we're doing the postgame show last night. We obviously do it from a casino. Now, um, Saturday night at casino is a party night. Uh, they got the, the, the dance club going. They had uh, a UFC fight uh, last night, and a lot of people came down for that. So we, we're, we are uh, in front of this, uh, this monster uh, sports configuration uh, with, with a bar. There's a lot of people that obviously have, have been drinking uh, most of the day and, and, and through the games. So uh, when you're doing a TV show live, uh, there's always the, the, the J.O.'s who want to stand behind you and mug for a camera. Um, Seth Joyner last night, is, uh, and, and he's getting clear, there's, there's possible two games left that we're going to do this postgame show. Uh, Seth is about to blow. And last, last night, this dude came from behind us. He's like doing jumping jacks. And Seth, we're doing the show live. Seth gets up and turns to the guy like he was ready to jack his ass up. And in fact, blocked his, he blocked him. So he like put, got in front of him. So the guy wouldn't get on the camera. So the, there's a little bit of drama left with two games. Seth's about to blow. And frankly, it's highly entertaining because, because I got to be honest with you. Uh, I'm a passive man. Well, not really, but, but I, I would love to see Seth Joyner just, just lay out a dude with a linebacker tackle. Who's trying to mug for the camera. How about you? Would that be entertaining to you? I, I would love that. But, and I got home last night. First of all, I got home. I put you on right away. I was like, I can't believe they're still on. You're, what is that postgame show? What do you do, like two, three no, hours? It's, 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 it's all of a two-hour show. They're usually it's, it's two and a half hours. And, so and, we, we didn't get out of there till till late in the morning. And obviously, we you can't get to sleep right away. So uh, I'm on uh, kind of dead batteries. So, but uh, but I saw that guy, and I thought, how – do they not have security? Don't well, they have well, security here's, down there? Yeah, here's the thing: they they don't want to put the, the security visibly in in the, in the camera because they, you know, they don't want the place to to be like, uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> like a threatening place, right? So they just want people but to move around like it's a good atmosphere. But there's always, there's always the jo, and you you and I knew this and doing radio all when we were doing live radio shows. There there's always somebody that wants to like you're. They don't understand the concept that you're working and you're doing live television or radio. So they want to come up to you and talk to you. And, and so you're doing a live show. And there's somebody go, hey, yo, Mike. Hey, Seth. Hey, man, <laughs> we're doing a live show. And, and they can't figure it out. But last night, you, and, and you kind of learn to ignore it. Seth 
has not learned to ignore it yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, somebody is in danger of getting jacked the f up if if they mess with our broadcast because I I can I can read it on his face. He doesn't understand the concept that guys are drunk and and they think it's cool to do that. Uh, it's really a jo move, but they don't really understand it because the alcohol prevents them from understanding. <laughs> so. My favorite guys were always when we were doing live remotes. Like, they're not malicious. They're nice mm-hmm. people. They just walk up and say, hey, Mike, I really like. And they just start talking to you, like, real nicely. And you're like, uh, hold on. I got, I'm on the air right now. <laughs> okay, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Let me tell this quick story uh, as we close this one down. Um, I was doing, uh, in the old radio days, you, you weren't uh, on remote. We were, uh, we were live at, uh, I was filling in. And... Uh, I didn't really want to be. It was a Sunday morning, and we were doing it at the Seafood Shanty in Warrington. And I was doing it with uh, Gary Cobb. I was filling in for Craig Carton, who usually does it with Cobb, but he couldn't make it that day, so they asked me to fill in. So I, I do pre. I just like in the morning, like ten o'clock, we started that pregame show, and we're doing it live from the Seafood Shanty. So, so a guy comes in, and uh, and he was polite enough to come up during a commercial. A guy with a hat and glasses, some goofy-looking guy. And he's ta- uh, it, we're in a commercial, and he's talking to Gary Cobb, who's next to me. And he's talking football with Gary Cobb. And whole, All right. So I'm just like minding my business and waiting for the commercial to be over so we get back on the air. And I'm kind of bored with the whole scene. So the guy slides from Gary Cobb over to me and starts yelling at me. He goes, and you, you son of a bitch, I hate your take on it. And he started, he started, he starts ripping into me. And then, and then, so I'm like looking at him, and he he, he turns around and he, and he and he walks away in a huff. So I did the only thing I could think of doing. In front of me was a goblet of oyster crackers. So I, I go, that guy just yelled at me for no reason. Got my face for no reason. I grab an oyster cracker, and as he's walking away, I fire a dart at him. And I hit him in the back of the head with the oyster cracker. The oyster ca- cracker splits in half and drops to the floor. He turns, he turns around at me, and I stand up, and, and he turns around and walks out because he knew it at that point, like, you know, uh, he, got, he was lucky that it was just an oyster cracker. So a week later, I get a package in the mail. It's a little stapler box wrapped, addressed to me. I open the stapler box. There's a note in it with a half of an oyster cracker. And and the note says, yo, Mike, I was uh, I was sitting at another table there at the Seafood Chani when you, you threw that oyster cracker and, and, and broke it on the guy, back of the guy's head. I thought you'd like it as a souvenir. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so I, I think I still have the oyster cracker as one of the memories of my radio career. You're lucky. You can't open those boxes anymore. You got to have somebody open them for you. No, it's a little stapler box with a half an oyster cracker, a fragmented oyster cracker. Uh, all right, let's wrap this baby up. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening as uh, we do the show right in. Fresh reaction from the Eagles, 38-7, to demolishing of the New York Giants. And we await today, San Francisco, Dallas, coming to Lincoln Financial Field for an NFC Championship game. It should be wild. Everybody have a great football watching Sunday. Uh, you've been listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast brought to us by Bet Rivers. Uh, don't forget to let, download that, baby. If you don't have it, download it now. You can make your bets. I took the Eagles yesterday. Darren, you knew. I thought I thought this was going to be a romp, a double-digit win. It was. So I cashed out on the Eagles with an easy cover 
of the seven and a half. Today, I'm a little confused to make the bet. But uh, everybody, good luck and uh, have a great football Sunday. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Another podcast scheduled for tomorrow. We'll have Ross Tucker, who was uh, the radio uh, uh, color analyst for the game on Westwood One. We'll have Ross's uh, opinion of what the Eagles are right now and what he saw. Uh, So we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Have a great night, everybody. It's Mike Missinelli on the Bet Rivers podcast, and we'll talk to you later.